Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, episode two of The Deep Dive. Today, we'll be discussing climate change, uh, some of the impacts, and kind of our view on possible solutions. I'm Miles. And I'm Gray. Gray and I are both very excited for today's podcast. Uh, We think we have a great show for you all today, and we hope you enjoy. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right. So... Miles, how would you describe global warming? Sure. Um, In my view, it's kind of the evolution or dramatic shift in just generally speaking weather patterns um, and the emission of greenhouse gases. So what is is your take on, just for those who may not know, um, climate change in general and global warming? What is your view? So, yeah, you're right on what you're saying with the um, the shift in the climate and also the um, CO two released by the human race, but also just how the climate can change even without our interactions with it over an extended period of time, and how that can affect like say the people or the beings that on that planet. Exactly. Um, So can you speak to some of the causes of climate change? Um, Yeah, I think the, probably the biggest cause that we all know about right now is humans. We are currently causing 64% of global warming um, by releasing gases, greenhouse gases like CO2, methane, things like that, that are getting trapped in the atmosphere and trapping heat and warming the climate. Um, Also just natural process, anything or any animal that has a respiratory system that expels greenhouse gases like CO2 or methane or um, anything that can trap heat is also adding to this cause. But then, you know, there's also that kind of balance that nature has, you know, with trees sucking in carbon dioxide and letting out oxygen, which kind of regulates things. But I think that the real reason why it's happening is because we're exceeding that limit. Exactly. And I think you're getting at um, a really key point here. Um, Just the over deforestation um, because I think trees, yeah, as you said, they regulate the climate. Um, sometimes we refer to the Amazon as the lungs of our earth. Um, and we also look at the wetlands too, which are a great um, source uh, to recycle air um, and kind of filter out our water. Right. So if those, if those ecosystems are damaged, then that will that will temper with kind of our environment and ultimately um, the climate. So yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, I think like you said, with the Amazon forest and deforestation, that's a really big thing, not just because when we take down those trees, we're losing that kind of regulation of the climate, but also trees store carbon. It adds to their mass. So it's not like we're just cutting it down. Nothing's happening. Once we cut down a tree, all of the carbon that's been stored in that tree for over millions and millions of years gets released. 
and that's just adding and adding and adding to overall the warming of the climate. So can you name a couple more causes for us? Um, there's kind of those general two, and then there's also kind of how the seasons and how the orbit of the earth works. As you know, it's on a, it's on an axis and when it goes around, you know, it creates the seasons. So you can have where in the summer in the North pole is stays day. Like it has com like complete daylight throughout the entire day. And that's just more heat getting trapped in the atmosphere. And also, but then there's also vice versa when it's no sun for six months, you know, there's no heat getting there. So it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of regulates it, but then once there's the heat in the North Pole, those, the airstreams that kind of bring the air down towards the South Pole can bring that heat down and can just add to further warming. Exactly. Um, now, what are some of the byproducts of global warming? So what are the impacts? I think... A major one that we've all really heard about is sea, like sea level rising. You know, the more ice that melts in the poles, the more sea, the more water is going to be in the ocean, and the more that it's going to encroach on the continents. You know, like Venice is predicted to be totally flooded if global warming is not stopped by 2050, and there's a um a very very small island country called Tuvalu, which is predicted to be one of the first countries to go underwater if climate change if nothing's no action is taken for climate change. So I think that's a really big impact. And then second of all, just everything that comes with heat, you know, um, droughts, forest fires, everything that comes with an in increase of temperature is a huge effects. Like we're seeing now, currently, the huge wildfires at West and even now someone, um, I'm thinking now, I think South Carolina, I saw today on the news, massive wildfires are replacing hundreds and thousands of people and destroying thousands and millions of acres of forest. All right, so Miles, what do you think the not necessarily the causes but what do you think the impacts are doing to us like what do you think why do you think they're such a big deal because some people don't really believe in climate change absolutely um i look at this from a long-term perspective um through a long-term lens i think that in order to um set a, stru a structurally sound foundation for the future, we must act now. Um, so in order to secure an environment that is healthy, that can support life, um, I think acting now um, is one of the most important parts in that mission. Right, exactly. And um, why do you think that why do you think that we should act now? Like, because, you know, everyone's saying that it's going to be in the future. So why don't we just act then? Why, why should we act now? Absolutely. Um, 
So these processes take a long, extremely long time to change and manipulate. Um, regulating um, CO2 emitting industries, that will take time, that will take legislation, and that will take more time to develop and uh, reach that goal of uh, protecting the environment. Um, so acting now will, I think, initiate a cascade of reform that will eventually help us um, in the long term. Um, so yeah, acting now is definitely a key part in securing that um, stable future. All right. That's definitely true. Um, like you said, on legislation, you know, there's things like laws need to be passed to regulate, like you said. And also something I know we I bring this up a lot um, on the podcasts, but the Green New Deal, this is that is hopefully going to try to get passed during after the 2020 election. And how do you think this? How do you think the Green New Deal be, being passed will help? And how do you think the cost will? Like, how do you think the cost will? injure us instead of actually benefiting us. Sure. Um, so the Green New Deal will lay out a foundation um, for us to have a stable environment in the future. Obviously, um, it is costly. The cost projection, I believe, is somewhere between 51 and 93 trillion. Mm -hmm. um, but remember, it's an investment in our future, um, the future of humanity and of any living thing on this planet. So from, from that perspective, if we take that into account, I think that this is definitely a viable route um, in achieving that mission. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the best way to approach this issue. Right. And so great. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the New Deal, um, maybe some of the specifics um, and kind of the impact if it gets instituted? All right. So like you said, the cost projection, 90, 51 to $93 trillion, which is a lot. But just remember that if we wait to act and if we wait till these impacts come, till we actually start decreasing our carbon output, we could be spending hundreds, hundred times that quadrillions and the world does not even have quadrillions. I think it's, I think the current, um, amount of money in the world is like 88 to 90 trillion. We don't have that kind of money, which is the kind of money that's going to take to, to, um, help with things like damage control and supplies when people get move from natural disasters because they're going to keep increasing. They're going to get more disastrous as the climate warms. And also just things like the amount of money that we're going to have to spend quickly to switch our economy over to a green economy, not fossil fuels. Um, also, how it will affect us uh, this is this is a very big thing on the Green New Deal. Imagine you're someone in the fossil fuels industry, right? If the government decarbonizes, you lose your income. You can lose 
your healthcare, your your house, your your possessions, which is a really big thing. Um, you know, it's it's going to affect a lot of people. But fortunately, there is a plan in the Green New Deal to keep people like them safe and to keep them from losing the things that they need. Um, but there's definitely, I'm not saying it won't happen, there's going to be a toll, but eventually they hopefully they will get back and we will be better off. Exactly. So we kind of unpacked the New Deal. Um, we unpacked kind of the impacts of climate change, global warming, and the associated issues. Um, I kind of want to shift now to kind of our view of solutions um, and what we have to say about that for the future. So, Greg, can I ask you, um, what is your, what are some of the solutions that you can think of um, that can not guarantee us, but lead the way maybe for um, a sustainable future and a future that um, cares about protecting the environment? Um, yeah. So I think the easiest thing that we could do right now is to put a carbon tax, you know, like a tax on emitting carbon dioxide or any greenhouse gases so that companies, you know, they can just, they can just emit carbon dioxide or any greenhouse gas at free will. There's no tax. There's no, there's no laws on it or anything like that. There's no limits. So if we put a tax on it, it's going to incentivize them to switch to a different form of energy that does not have a tax and make their income that way because no one wants to be taxed on their the um making of their product and that's just they're just going to lose money that way so they need to switch to something that is going to better benefit them and not hurt them absolutely um so here's kind of my take for one of the elements of the solutions um that i can think of so I, I've, I've called it um, the triple incentivization plan. So basically, um, there are three elements of this plan. The first element is government reform and government regulation. So if we can encourage the government to make adjustments um, to legislation that will benefit the environment um, and in return, give them something to incentivize that reform. The next sort of pillar here is transition to renewable energy sources. So if we can encourage people to um, transition to solar or rely on hydroelectric power or um, wind turbines, um, if we can encourage those people to transition to these renewable energy sources, um, I think that'll also have um, a great impact. And then kind of the third element of this plan um, is simple, but I think really drives, could drive the point home. Um, we have to use our voices. So we have to speak out about these issues just as we are here. And we need to communicate with one another about these issues. Um, so yeah, the last pillar here, use your voice. Your voice is strong. Um, and I think that's going to be very impactful. If And all those 
three elements combined, um, I think will lead the way for a very promising um, future for us. So that's kind of my take on one of the possible solutions um, to this crisis. Right. And like you said, the um, the solutions like hydroelectric and solar, there's a lot of solutions out there. But I think one of the most consequential, consequential solutions and something that is kind of a discussion topic for most people looking to combat climate change is nuclear. You know, um, there's a lot of discussion about it. Is it safe? Is it not? So what's your, what's your take on nuclear? Um, as you said, nuclear is very controversial. Um, one of the pros is that um, it burns very cleanly. Um, and there's a high capacity, which means there's high energy output compared to, let's say, solar or wind. Um, so that high capacity allows companies to produce energy at a very, very, very high rate. Now, some of the some someone would argue that a con perhaps would be um, risking a nuclear meltdown and sort of dealing and coping with the side effects of that, um, releasing CO two into the atmosphere. Um, damaging the community in which that uh, plant is located um, can be catastrophic. Um, we've seen that countless times throughout history, and we've seen the impacts. So again, um, there are pros and there are cons, um, but it's up to us to decide, well, is it really worth it to... Um, to institute these plants? Is it really worth it on our behalf to um, sacrifice perhaps a neighborhood um, in order to get that energy? Um, so Greg, what is, what is your kind of, what is your view on nuclear power? And maybe what are some of the impacts um, that you could discuss? Um, I think that nuclear is actually an opportunity. It's, um, I know a lot of people's first views when nuclear power is just, like, just being invented, you know, is the atomic bomb, you know. There's this huge explosion, a lot of radiation, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's just kind of, that's kind of the unfortunate thing is that the majority of the operational nuclear power plants in the U.S. that are currently operational were built 30 years ago. You know, they're not current technology. They're not safe, as safe as they could be. And so if we don't revise and rebuild on these, we could have a potentially another catastrophic disaster. But luckily, there are new technologies. There's this thing is new to fuel design called a fuel pebble, basically meaning it's uranium encased in a sphere of I'm not really sure what the material is, but it's a case in the sphere that cannot melt and can is extremely durable. And they're about the size of a golf ball. And basically they go throughout when they're when the when the reactor's on, you know, they're just kind of doing the thing but creating energy 
But when, say, there's an electricity like um, malfunction or something goes wrong, there's no there's no water to cool it, so it can't heat up. They will just funnel down into a holding container where they cool down their own. And also another thing is liquid, um, liquid fuel, basically meaning you have more energy output because unfortunately, this is really unfortunate with the general um, fuel rods that are currently used today, we only can get about 4% out of the energy, which is basically the rest 96% wasted. And that's the nuclear waste. But with this fuel, we can get more of the energy out of it and produce more energy. And also it's liquid, so we don't need some sort of water to cool it. So there's definitely a lot more technology that is making nuclear safer, but there's also some drawbacks. So I think it's very, I think it's an opportunity to revise and build on nuclear and see how we can affect change and rethink this technology, which is, which has basically really shaped how the last century has gone. Absolutely. That's a great point of view. Um, so with that, uh, we will wrap it up for today. Um, thank you all for listening. A couple reminders. Um, we are available on Spotify, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Um, so please be sure to uh, subscribe and follow us on those platforms. Um, and do not forget to reach out to us with questions, comments. Um, we are happy to take those comments and work to improve this podcast. So thank you all again for listening. I'm Greg. I'm Miles. And have a thank good you. rest of your day. Thank you.